Hello, Rebels. I'm Sheila Gunn-Reed, and you're listening to a free audio-only recording of David Menzies' Friday night show, Rebel Roundup. Tonight, my guests are the regular hosts, David Menzies and Kian Bexty. If you like listening to the show, then you will love watching it. But in order to watch, you need to be a subscriber to premium content. That's what we call our long-form TV-style shows here on The Rebel. Subscribers get access to my show, as well as other great TV-style shows, too, like Ezra's Nightly, Ezra Levant Show, David's fun Friday night show, Rebel Roundup, and like I mentioned, my show. It's on Wednesday. It's called The Gun Show. It's only eight bucks a month to subscribe, or you can subscribe annually and get two months free. And just for our podcast listeners, you can save an extra 10% on a new premium membership by using the coupon code podcast when you subscribe. Just go to premium.rebelnews.com to become a member. And please leave a five-star review on this podcast and subscribe in iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcast. Those reviews are a great way to support The Rebel without ever spending a dime. And now please enjoy this free audio-only version of my show. Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back on the very best commentaries of the last week from some of our favorite rebels. I'm your host, Sheila Gunn-Reed, filling in for the intrepid, as always, David Menzies, as he's out on the road chasing all that election news wherever he might find it. Now, as you know, our rebel team went to federal court to get access to the leadership debates. But our access doesn't mean the mainstream media journalists were happy to have our scrappy little organization outworking them in the post-debate scrums. David Menzies joins me tonight to talk about how his fellow journalists tried to keep him from asking questions at the French language debate. Then, Kian Bexty has been on Greta Thunberg watch ever since the impish Swedish climate scold announced on the Thanksgiving weekend that she would be bringing her hectoring environmentalist roadshow up here to oil country. Kean joins us to talk about his face-to-face meeting with Greta in an Edmonton hotel. Then, finally, your comments on Ezra's live stream from outside the Plaza Theatre in Calgary after they refused to open the doors and honour their contract for our Lebranos book signing. Those are your Rebels. Let's round them up. Five CBC questions since there's many, many medias. Well, that, I think your colleague. That's here. my colleague, Kim, yeah. right? Yeah. So, I mean, just uh, to make sure that every media gets a chance to ask questions. If... Well, you're first in line, right? <laughs> yeah, not for me. I'm just asking for everyone else. I think just, you're good to ask. I, I'm not talking about me. I'm just talking about like, yeah, yeah. What I'm saying is that everyone can ask questions. I think. But you only want us to ask one question, just. Sorry? Sorry, I'm just saying that there's a lot of media. The two of you will have have one question before I have mine. That's his point. Maybe every media could have one before you have two. Sure, well, we're just all in line, right? It's one at a time, right? Yeah, but I'm saying that some medias won't have questions and you'll have two. Well, usually we have none. We had to get a court order, sir, to, I to get I in here. I understand everything. I'm just saying that, I mean, we're all here. Oh, yeah, but we were never here. That's the thing. We were, uh, until are you here? We are here now. Are here but you're telling me not, not to ask a question because there's two of us. I'm not telling you not to ask a question. I'm telling you we can all play in a team. 
Oh, 100%. I, I'll, I'll, <laughs> no, I'll, it's not 100% since you're not playing in the team right now. Well, because uh, some medias won't have questions. That's what I'm saying. You're too ahead but of me in the line. Who, where's your, I'm your not talking about me. I'm talking there. about where is she from? People here. TVA. Okay. Yeah. Talking about other medias? But we, we have been excluded, sir, from the entire campaign you're until... You're here? Uh, is that right? I am planning to ask a question. Yeah. Uh, two questions. Well, I don't know. I mean, it, it depends. So that's they, a, you are planning to ask two questions. Well, right? as you know, the Prime Minister has a penchant well, for not one, answering questions. It's one questions. and a follow. It's question and follow up, right? Yeah. That's the rule. That, that's what's going to happen? Yes. Oh, that'd be question and follow up. All right, we'll okay. for that. Okay. <laughs> Why, is, is that a problem oh, or? Uh, well, okay. it's uh, not great. It's my understanding, actually, that from what I was hearing from the gentleman, that you've got two people here. And so you are I have planning to ask two questions, which makes it four. Yeah. Oh, sorry. What was that? Now, Rebel News went to court to get a court order to get our reporters access to the leaders' debate and thus the scrums after the fact. And after the first debate, it was pretty clear that it was worth every penny to get our reporters in. And after the first debate, it became evident our journalists were going to ask the questions of politicians the mainstream media just refuses to ask. So by the time the second debate, <laughs> rolled around, the mainstream media had a solution to their little problem of rebel reporters eating their lunches and exposing their intellectual incuriosity. They were going to stop us from asking questions in the interest of some newfound journalistic solidarity. Joining me now from somewhere on the campaign trail <laughs> in Ontario is the regular host of the show, David Menzies. David, I've got to ask you, why aren't you a team player, huh? <laughs> yeah. You know, what is perversely ironic about that question, Sheila, is he, he's saying be a team player by quitting the team, stepping down from the team, getting off the bench and going back into the parking lot. Because what he meant by that, you know, I'll, you know, I'll frame the, uh, you know, the event as it happened last Thursday in, uh, in Ottawa. Um, both Kian and I, and Andrew Lawton of True North uh, came in, and I would assume they, they lumped the three of us uh, together, um, uh, kind of like the three musketeers. Although they, although the mainstream media certainly doesn't subscribe to, you know, the the slogan uh, "one for all, all for one, one for all, united we stand, divided we fall." To them, I think the three musketeers is the name of a chocolate bar. Anyway, um, we, <laughs> this fellow comes up to me, and at first I thought, because it was absolutely precedent-setting, this federal court decision, Sheila, to get us in the door, um, call me a, uh, you know, a delusional optimist, but I thought he was going to say something, you know, hey man, that was fantastic, <laughs> what, a, what a win for, for freedom of the press. Instead, the fact that the rebel had two reporters there, um, the temerity of our organization having two reporters asking questions, to them this was double coverage. This was an unfair advantage. Um, he said, there's two of you there. And to which I think I said something along the lines, yeah, well, the problem is we were never there. We were never, yeah. <laughs> it took a court order to get us here. We're kind of making up for lost time. And um, the, uh, uh, but sure enough, and then another uh, journalist, a fellow with the, uh, the Paisley shirt chipped in. And, um, you know, he was also, you know, badgering us that, you know, we shouldn't be 
uh, you know, having two representatives of the same uh, media organization there. And and somebody told me, I don't know if this is true or not, Sheila, maybe you know for sure, the CBC had altogether something like 80 people. And I know they're all not all on camera people, but my goodness, talk about the, the pot calling the kettle black. I mean, it wasn't double coverage by the uh, CBC. It was quintuple coverage. So, um, yeah, it, it's depressing, Sheila, because if you believe in freedom of speech and freedom of the press and freedom of expression, there, there's no such thing as being a little bit pregnant. And if they, even if our point of view um, disgusts them or bothers them or upsets them, that's irrelevant. Because I'll tell you, Sheila, and I think the same would go for you and it would go for Kian and Andrew Lawn. If any other media organization, including the CBC, was excluded for something, we would stand up, even though we don't like the CBC, would like to see it privatized. But still, we would stand up, you know, on, on the basis of journalistic ethics and say, let them in. But it's clearly not a two-way street, my friend. Yeah, I mean, these people, while we were engaged in a court battle to get you guys in, and while Andrew Lawton is being turfed from liberal events, while you were handcuffed at a conservative event, these people <laughs> never opened their mouths. They shut their mouths. There was no such thing as the team back then. And not a single one of them offered their spot at a conservative event or a liberal event for Andrew Lawton or you. Um, there's no team unless it means hampering our ability to ask questions that they won't. Um, in fact, it was the parliamentary press gallery who have, they've denied you credentials to cover things in the past. So it's yes. actually these people, these other journalists who are going about their business excluding us. And yet when we show up to ask questions after winning a court battle, they say, oh, you guys, you got to be on the team. Well, we shouldn't have had to get a court order to get on their team. Now, I will make a caveat. Um, when I was at the Media Freedom Conference, the other journalists refused to go to a press conference if Andrew Lawton and I were excluded from Freeland's yes. conference. But those weren't parliamentary press gallery journalists. They weren't this clique of mean girls um, in Ottawa who have exclusive access to politicians. These were foreign bureau people, people who are just yes. interested in journalism. And, uh, you know, they're, they're just trying to report um, the news as it happens without a particular lens and without protecting politicians. And it's so funny to see the difference between journalists who work nearly exclusively in Ottawa tagging along behind the Liberals and journalists who are actually doing journalism everywhere but Ottawa. Oh, yes, yeah, Sheila. I mean, I remember that footage uh, very well. And uh, A, it was incredible to see some other journalists stand up for us. But as you point out rightly, um, these aren't the Canadian uh, bought and paid for state stenographer journalists. These were members of the foreign press, and uh, which I guess still have um, uh, still subscribe to ethics. And um, and they stood up for for you guys. And it, it must have felt like a, um, an out of body experience because <laughs> you, you mentioned the um, the handcuffing incident. 
Um, what I'll never forget about that is that I was asking, you know, the, the people recording the incident, and I'm glad they actually recorded it mm-hmm. because obviously I was unable to do so with my hands behind my back. But um, I was saying things like, hey, how about a little uh, solidarity here? And what really bothered me was just like there was no answer. It was almost as though they were, you know, they had drank the Kool-Aid so much that we dare not um, show disrespect to our, uh, our our monetary masters who are cutting the checks, be it the $600 million bailout for uh, the print media in Canada, Sheila, or the $1.6 billion in taxpayer welfare that the CBC gets uh, every year. And um, so, you know, I, I'm not so much upset as I am sad that this is what the profession has been reduced to. Yeah, and I watched with great fascination the online confusion of the other journalists after um, Kean got those very powerful questions in the first debate in the scrum there. They were saying stuff like, well, how did Rebel and True North get all those questions? How did they get to the front of the line? Hustle? Hard work? Foresight? Planning? All those things that you're supposed to have as a journalist? Um, and it just shows how, I guess, complacent the mainstream media is and how entitled they feel to that spot in line and how offended they are that somebody from outside could outwork them. I, I, I'm trying to get inside the head of people I truly don't understand. But it was interesting to see just how, in, and, and again, in the exchange with you, and I think his name was Philippe Vincent Foisy or Foisy, like you. I'm unilingual, um, and, I, and I like it that way. But it's it, it, he was so entitled to his spot in line, a spot in line that you guys worked for. Indeed, and Sheila, on the second debate, you know, on Thursday, we left the debate. Uh, the, the, it, it, that was the French debate, so we were in a room watching the translated version. We left a good half hour early so that we would uh, be the first in line. So one, two, three in line was Kian, myself, and Andrew Lawton. And um, I can tell you, um, uh, when the other media came, uh, there were two that butted in uh, in front of uh, uh, Andrew and I. Kian still maintained his first spot. But, you know, you're right. Even though we showed some initiative and hustle and, uh, and waited a a solid half hour to be led into the scrum area. Uh, these people still felt that uh, they weren't going to follow the protocol of a queue, you know. And also, I, I want to say something. You know, you alluded to it earlier, Sheila. This whole idea of, um, you know, whether it's the liberals or the conservatives, as I discovered uh, a couple of weeks ago in Whitby with that infamous incident. Um, they say, well, you know, they're not accredited journalists, and I just want to tell the people out there, you know, who you know, might not be as familiar with the journalistic world as, as you and I, um, that this sounds almost as though, oh, well, they didn't have their accreditation. They didn't have their license, their yeah. papers. There's, there's, you know, folks, what accreditation means is a piece of paper that you sign in, right? It's, yeah. it's like RSVPing to a party. There's no ministry of journalists and broadcasters that you apply to and some bureaucrat goes, hmm, yes, uh, that one's okay. No, I don't like that one. So it, they're creating, I think, uh, Sheila, this um, falsified um, milieu that there is some kind of ultra formal 
yeah. regimented way of getting these so-called credentials when, I'm sorry, folks, journalists, unlike, say, doctors, unlike lawyers, there's no governing body. Uh, anyone can call themselves yeah. a journalist. So, so don't believe this red herring about, oh, they weren't accredited because it means nothing. Yeah, it's literally a sign-in sheet where you write your name, the time, sorry, the time, your name, and the organization that you're with. Yes. And, yeah. and it is a, it's this piece of paper that you'll see at a conservative event, a liberal event, a government event. That's literally what it is. It's just a sign-in sheet. And this idea that you need to have RSVP'd and have had security clearance, I, I mean, it's just garbage. And yeah. it, it, I really resent the fact that both parties are just allowing this sort of foggy lie to linger out there. Um, and, and so are the journalists because they know what accreditation means too. It's a sign-in sheet on a loose leaf piece of paper at the door. And even if you haven't emailed ahead, if you haven't called ahead, you could still sign into that sheet and they say, come on in. That, I mean, <laughs> that's literally what accreditation is. And both parties involved are not bothering to clear this up because they benefit from this fog of confusion from lay people. Well, you know, Sheila, I, I, I obviously the liberals, uh, you know, detest us. I mean, our uh, rebel, rebel media, rebel news has been mentioned in the House of Commons by Trudeau a couple of times, sometimes referred to as rebel magazine. Yeah, rebel magazine. <laughs> but, you know, so there is a bit of obsession about the fact that we are these, uh, you know, untamed broncos that uh, are, are reporting stuff that isn't supposed to be reported. But on the flip side, I just continue to scratch my head. And I wish Andrew Shear would give his head a shake that, you know, considering us, you know, hostile when we have almost 1.3 million YouTube subscribers, the vast majority of which I would assume uh, lean right of center and would be voters of the Conservative Party, why we are being treated so shabbily and with such disrespect in order to what? Earn the approval of the mean girls out there, the Globe and Mail, the Toronto Star, the CBC, which will um, forever, um, uh, you know, uh, hate uh, Conservatives and Andrew Scheer. But it, it seems that it, it doesn't matter. I mean, I just find that strategy, Sheila, so self-defeating to the point that, you know, when, uh, hey, a, a couple of days ago when I was in Calgary at Ezra's book signing, a the people who were voting Conservative, um, almost every one of them said, yeah. I'm diverting my eyes, holding my nose. Mm -hmm. Gee, that's not a ringing endorsement of yeah. a leader or a party. I mean, it's like, are you guys purposely trying to blow this? It is staggering. Well, yeah, and a lot of those people are, were saying, like, look, we just want Andrew Scheer to say it was a mistake. And it's not going to happen again. That's all they want to hear. I think that's all we want to hear. Uh, we just, you know, I, actually, uh, I don't even need to hear that it was a mistake. I just would like to know that it is not going to happen again. And that the conservatives are at least better on uh, press freedom, freedom of speech than the liberals. That's all I want to hear. Uh, David, I know that you are very busy on the campaign trail. I want to give you a chance to let everybody know um, where they can find your coverage from the campaign trail and how they can support um, your work and Kean's work out there on the road. 
Well, I guess I would be right here on the uh, Rebel News channel, I would hope. And, of course, campaign2019.com. Um, you know, we if you want to go there, um, uh, folks, uh, We and, and by the way, if you're able to, um, we, I mentioned the 600 million and the 1.6 billion, we get none of that, nor would we take it if it were offered. Um, we depend on our subscribers, we depend on donations. So if anyone likes the kind of journalism that Ezra and Kian and Sheila and myself, that we're trying to deliver on this campaign trail and, and Jessica too, of course, mm -hmm. um, please, uh, if you have it uh, in you, uh, make a donation because, uh, uh, that's what keeps us alive. That's what keeps uh, the lights on. And um, we're going to continue covering this election to the uh, to the bitter end on Monday. And uh, um, uh, and and we're trying our best to bring you what we uh, like to say is the other side of the story, because nobody else out there, folks, is bringing you that other side of the story. Amen, David. I think this election is going to kill us all. <laughs> as long as we collapse <laughs> on the other side of the finish line on Monday, I think that's going to be great. David, thanks for calling into your own show. Uh, good luck out there on the road. Stay with us more up next after the break. So I'm curious, because, you know, Calgary's an oil city. Why don't you guys go to China or Saudi Arabia? Protest yeah. them. Because right now I'm here and I stopped flying. So to go there, that would have to. But I mean, I went here because I received an invitation mm -hmm. to go here. Will you be disclosing your finances? Will you be telling us who is paying for your trip, your Tesla, and bringing you to our country in the middle of an election? Thank you very much. You're paying for everything. You pay for the Tesla? You don't pay for the Tesla. You borrow the Tesla for free from New York. Yeah, Will, have, you, have you registered as a third-party advertiser coming to this country in the middle of an election period? It's the middle of an election. You understand that. Have, have you registered as a third-party advertiser? I'm sure she will not talk about the elections at all. I will not. Yeah. I have never mentioned the election. Yeah. The climate, you understand that climate change is a pivotal policy. Uh, is a ballot box yeah, question in this election. Right now, so. This is a ballot box question this election. And you're, you're rallying. You're, doing you're engaging in our political discourse. As a foreigner, climate change is politics, is it not? Science. Climate, and so is science going to solve it? You, would you like a technical solution to climate change, or would you like politicians I'd to solve really it? I'd really appreciate it if you stopped talking to us right now. We have a meeting, yeah. um, and this is so you're business. you're engaging in political discourse yeah, in a foreign country really as a foreigner. Thank you very much. Will you be? This is also slightly harassing, yeah. and I do hope you come back Will you be disclosing your finances, and will you be registering as a third party operative? Will you be registering as a third-party operative? Please. Thank you very much. Thank you. While the mainstream media patiently waits for the next Extinction Rebellion or Greenpeace press release on the visit of Greta Thunberg to Alberta's capital city so they can report on it completely verbatim and then call it journalism, our roving reporter Kian Bexty was doing some real shoe-leather journalism to find the tiny climate tyrant and ask her some real questions that would throw her off her foreign-funded script. Joining me now to discuss his incredible scoop of every single journalist in Alberta and his confrontation with Greta and her handlers is Keen Bexty from some airport somewhere out on the campaign trail. Keen, tell me, is Greta as inspirational and Joan of Arc-like in person? 
Not so much. And I, I, this maybe is an aside. She's incredibly short. I was very surprised. Uh, I, I, they say she's 16. I think she's maybe we should start a, a like a birther movement i don't think she's actually 16 she's so short i think they're just saying that so they don't feel so bad parading her around north america and letting her go on a dangerous yacht across the atlantic ocean um she she wasn't the saint greta that she's been made out to be she was kind uh she was gentle um and she was polite her handlers, however, were very upset that I was asking questions uh, outside of a press conference style uh, event. Uh, I asked a few questions regarding, well, why, why isn't she in China? Why isn't she in India? Um, why doesn't she go to Saudi Arabia? Uh, and then I continued to ask questions about uh, their registration with Elections Canada, whether or not they were foreign, uh, whether or not they were going to disclose their finances, because of course we're in the middle of an election and they just decide to come to Canada twice, um, first to Montreal and now to Alberta to stage major political rallies in the middle of a general election. Something's a little fishy there, so I wanted to ask some questions, and and right when I did, um, their handlers kind of lost it. We should play that clip of uh, when I ask, are, are you are you registered uh, as a third-party advertiser? And listen to this girl's response. So you're, you're engaging in political discourse in a foreign country as a foreigner. Thank you very much. Will you be... This is also slightly harassing, and I do have use contacts if needs to be. Now, there's more to the story than just your incredible confrontation with Greta and her handlers, who were pretty prickly with you about you asking questions. Um, I think a big part of this story is just how we came about the scoop because it was real old fashioned journalism. Um, yeah. you know, uh, we got a tip, we chased the tip, um, from an anonymous tipster, um, who trusted us, unlike, uh, the mainstream media, they trusted that if they gave this information to us, we would do the right thing with it. And it was really shoe leather journalism. We found the Tesla three that uh, that uh, Greta has been driving in her slow travel movement, and she's got that thing filled up like a couple of raccoons are driving around in it. Oh my gosh, <laughs> Sheila! I I don't know if you you, you must have saw it. It was yeah. It, it was full of uh, baked bean cans. Like it looked like a dumpster. Baked bean cans, plastic garbage bags as well. There's tons of single use plastics in there. Uh, and of course the the bright yellow New York plate. So it was pretty obvious uh, when we when I got pulled into the parking lot. I see this Tesla, very expensive, state of the art Tesla with New York plates. So I thought, hmm, I wonder who could be driving that around Alberta. And funny story about the Tesla. Um, before they realized who I was, I was kind of just sitting next to Greta and her handlers while they were plotting uh, their next moves. After they leave Edmonton, after they stage a major political rally in Alberta's capital, their next plans, and you heard it here first, is to go to Jasper. They're going to go to Jasper, and they're extremely concerned about whether or not the Tesla will actually be able to manage in Jasper, whether or not the battery will die. Uh, of course, Greta wants everyone to jump, switch to electric vehicles, battery-operated cars. Uh, but deep down, they know that Canada isn't suited for it. So much so that they're planning on uh, contingency uh, for uh, they're, they're planning contingency plans in case the Tesla doesn't work out in Jasper in those high, uh, low-temperature mountain regions. 
You know, I think it's funny. I think they better clean up that car before they go to Jasper or the bears are going to get them. <laughs> um, yeah. By the time people see this video, because we're recording it Thursday because I fill in for David and I have to sort of work around everybody's schedule who's on the road. But by the time this goes to air, Greta will have, like you say, staged a major political rally in Edmonton in the final hours of our federal election campaign. And... Um, I'm going to take umbrage with some of the tone from the pro-oil groups out there. And I'm not saying the grassroots groups. I'm saying the guys like Canada Action and to some extent the Alberta government. They welcome Greta to the province because they hope she's here to learn. Well, give me a break. She's not here to learn. This is, um, this is just the social license argument over again. If we entertain these people, maybe they'll like us. She's not here to learn from yeah. us. And if she wanted to learn about oil and gas in the world, there are a lot of places that were closer to home for her to visit, like Norway, Norway. like Russia. Yeah. But she didn't go to Norway or Russia. She took a boat across the ocean to plague us with her scolding. By the way, I would love to know what the inside of that boat looked like when she was done with it. I bet she garbaged it right up, too. To answer your question, Sheila, about uh, her trash in the boat, there's some pictures, actually, which are kind of funny. Uh, she, she, St. Greta, I'm talking about, has a bunch of single-use plastics in her boat, uh, plastic water bottles. And, you know, here's the thing. I use plastic water bottles. Everyone I know uses plastic water bottles, uses Tupperware containers, and I'm not criticizing them for that. What I'm criticizing is Greta uh, telling everyone that we need to get off petroleum products and then being a hypocrite and using them herself. I think it's kind of pathetic. Now, you might notice the audio switched a little bit here. My headphones just crashed and my plane's about to board, so I should probably get going. Yes, thank you, Kian. Thanks for always making the time for the show. Um, stay with us more up next after the break. Right now it is 5.04. Oh, and these doors are locked and the lights are up. I do believe there are people inside there probably peeking out because that's what it was like in Edmonton. And the thing is, we had a great crowd like we had here, and it was sort of chilly like here. But all these tough guys online, none of them showed up except for the one village idiot named Rick Shawnee, who shows up to everything with his haulers. There was a couple hundred of my friends. There was two private security. There was probably 10 cops. They were just excited. What was going on? What's the big crowd? And Rick Shawnee. And we sort of were worried so we had a plan B. And we all walked two blocks over to Rosie's Pub, and we had, we got warm, and some folks had a beer or two, I'm not saying how many. And we had a book talk, and we signed a lot of books, and we had a great night. But it was also a terrible night for free speech. Because Mike Brar was bullied into deplatforming not only me and my right to speak, but 200 people and their right to hear. They chose to hear, and I signed a contract, and I paid in advance, and I'm a good customer because I've done it before, and we were deplatformed. That's the word the left uses. I said to Mike, if you have any critics, 
invite them in. We'll have a Q&A. They can put their toughest question to me. I'm used to it by now. But that's not what the left is about. They don't believe in debating anymore. They believe in censorship and silencing. That was the big boss, Ezra Levant, orating from outside the Plaza Theatre in Calgary after the theatre breached their contract with us. After an NDP Antifa-inspired internet outrage mob put pressure on the theater's owner to cancel our book signing event. Now, not to be deterred, we arranged for busing to take our folks down to the local Royal Canadian Legion who accommodated our Libranos book signing on some pretty short notice. Now, Soylent Knight writes, this happened again. If nothing else, this election has opened my eyes to the fact that Canada is as backward as the UK when it comes to press freedom and freedom of speech in general. Yeah, you know, us Canadians like to get a little uppity about the fact that we don't have journalism licenses like they do in the UK. But when our journalists have to take the federal government to court and spend tens of thousands of dollars just to get access to a political debate in a free country, we're really not any better than the UK, are we? We are different, but in the same bad sort of way. MD Pruel writes, I wasn't going to buy the book, Ezra, but now that the NDP thugs are trying to prevent folks from getting a copy, I will now procure a copy and can't wait to see what they're so scared of and trying to hide. Canada is a free speech country and we need to keep it that way. Yeah, it's a bit of the Streisand effect happening here. The more these authoritarian wing nuts try to shut us up, the more ears get turned our way to find out exactly what it is they don't want you to be hearing. J.S. writes, absolutely awesome that you booked at the Legion. My father landed on Juno Beach. I have to say it has caused me pain in the last couple of years to know that his and his generation risked everything so we could be free. My parents used to go to their local Legion and they were proud people. J.S., you know, we try to use the Legion as often as we can. In fact, the very next night in Toronto, we use the Legion there as a venue for our book signing. I'm a member of my local Legion, and I think it's my duty to support an organization that works to support our veterans and honor their proud legacies. And you can learn more about Ezra's legal plan to fight for freedom of speech and against these deplatforming bullies who try to stop free speech at stopdeplatforming.com. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. This is the last Rebel Roundup before the election, which means it's probably my last time hosting in the big chair. I get to turn this job back over to its rightful owner again. Thank you, everybody at home for tuning in. And thank you, David, for trusting me with your baby of a show. Thank you, everybody in the office, for creating a cinematic masterpiece out of the jumbled handful of clips and audio I send you every single week. And remember, without risk, there can be no reward.